It is Thursday. Thanks so much to Devin Peacock for filling in on London Live yesterday. Lots of great talk about space. Devin introduced you to Aiden. Aiden from London, who is still in Ottawa right now, learning what it's like to be the Prime Minister. We're going to check in with him in just a few minutes. Want to bet one of the things he's learned is the Prime Minister doesn't sleep much? I'm willing to bet that the Prime Minister doesn't sleep much. Guys age when they go into those roles. Look at old POTUS in the United States. Does he not look a lot older? I think he's coloring his hair a different color. I think, I don't, I doubt, you think Donald Trump does the color out of the bottle? I don't think so. But I'm pretty sure he's been using a lighter color. Do you not find? I don't know whether he sits there in the drugstore and says, uh, you know, uh, cranberry almond. I'm wondering if cranberry almond would look good for the holidays. I don't know. But I'm willing to bet that that is one thing that he is discovering. We'll find that out in just a few minutes as we head to Ottawa. Also this hour, we are going to talk with the Philosopher Kings. Zach and Jarvis will be by. They're going to be in London this weekend. And you will be able to go out and see them if you want to. But you'll be able to hear from them in about a half hour from now. So we'll talk music. We'll talk touring the world. All of the good things that they do. In about an hour from now, Global News, Queen's Park Bureau Chief Travis Danraj is going to join us. This is a story that kind of came out late yesterday, and you've been hearing some details on 980 CFPL News, and it deals with the voluntary exit program for public service employees. It always sounds so nice. You know what? We're going to create a voluntary exit program. And if you would like to leave, here is what you can benefit from. Right off into the sunset. Thank you for your service. That's what it's spelled out as. Now, what exactly does this mean? What if not enough public service employees take advantage of the new voluntary exit program? What do you think happens then? Hmm? I'll give you one guess. And I bet you'll be right. This is the way to thin the herd a little bit. It's like when we have deer culls every once in a while. Ah, the population of deer, far too big. Let's see what we can do. Let's cull the herd just a little bit. And everybody gets outraged. I don't know how outraged people are going to be here, but it's going to hinge on a couple of things. One being, okay, what's the compensation package? How much is that costing taxpayers? Let's face it, we just heard that the province's deficit is going to rise to $12.3 billion this fiscal year. So now we're enticing people? Spend now to pay later? I don't know. Maybe that'll work. Maybe it will. I just had my tires balanced on my car. A good mechanic once told me, make sure you do that every once in a while, because we're... We're the drivers we are. We hit curbs every once in a while. You know, you might turn and and bump a curb, and next thing you know, your alignment's out of whack a little bit, and you can save yourself. You know, you pump up your tires, and you get your wheels balanced, and you look at the mileage that your vehicle gets, all of a sudden it tends to improve. So if we can do that, just a little change, and if people accept this, then maybe it's good for the long term. But I don't know. And that's what we'll ask Travis Danrash, and we'll see what he's been able to find out. Because it's difficult to find things out right about now. Everything's kind of slowed down for the holidays. Everybody's left the legislature. Goodbye, Queen's Park. Hello, constituency. 
So finding people to talk to this is going to be difficult, but we'll spell out the story for you just to make sure that we have it. Do you drive through roundabouts on your commute to and from work or your drive around the city? I wind up going through a roundabout quite often. And I'm not convinced we all know how to use a roundabout. So today, London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding is actually going to join us on London Live. And we'll get the thick of things on how to use roundabouts. Because think of Hale and Trafalgar. When they put that in, it was great. It's a fantastic idea. And roundabouts have been used in Europe forever. Why it has taken us so long, no We need an intersection with stop signs, and then people forget how to use stop signs. Or we need an intersection with a stoplight, and then it doesn't change quickly enough. Roundabout is supposed to increase the nice flow of traffic. If you go to England, there are roundabouts off roundabouts. And you're going in one direction through one roundabout, and then you turn into the little roundabout off the bigger roundabout, and you're actually going in the other direction. That's very confusing. So I'm happy that so far... In London, Ontario, they have a lot of these in Cambridge and Waterloo. We've kept them simple. We're just using them for intersections. You can find one if you drive, what, far enough up on Wonderland Road? Is it Wonderland Road and Sunningdale now has a roundabout? But are we using them right? What if two people are kind of parked there at the same time? Who has the right of way? If you're in a stream of traffic and the traffic starts going through, it tends to just keep going through. Is that right? Is that fair to the people who are sitting there waiting? I don't know. We will ask London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding. A deadline for the Dream Lotteries tonight at midnight. We'll check in with Heather McCarran at some point. And if you are a sports fan, we're keeping a close eye on something that affects the London Knights and Team Canada for the World Juniors. I don't know if you've seen the highlight, but essentially the way that the final selection camp works for Team Canada's World Junior Team is they bring in about 32, 33, 34 guys They plan to cut about 10, and then after some on-ice stuff and hi, how are you's, they get into exhibition games with some U-sports teams, and they use all of the Team Canada goalies, but they play these exhibition games, and then it just kind of helps to make those final decisions as to who belongs on a roster. Well, last night's scrimmage went to overtime. And in overtime, London Knights forward, Alex Formanton, is using his speed, tearing down the ice, kind of gets tangled up with a defenseman and goes down. And he didn't get up very quickly. And when he did get up, he didn't put any weight on his right leg. And he was taken off. He's being evaluated today. No one has said too, too much right now. But it didn't look good. And that's not good for Team Canada because he's one of two returning players And it may not be good for the London Knights. We don't know anything yet. Hopefully this was just kind of a a knock your knee and he's just being extra careful not to put weight on it. We may or may not find out as we go along. Because remember, right now it is in Victoria, B.C., just after 10 in the morning. So it's still pretty early there. So if something happens to come up in that regard, we'll make sure and let you know. But up next, we will head to Ottawa Alex Formanton's actually a guy who will live in Ottawa one day as a member of the Ottawa Senators. We're going there for a different reason, because a Londoner, Aiden, got to find out yesterday what it's like to be the Prime Minister. Got to sit through question period in the House of Commons, in person. And it's always interesting to get some reflections of a teenage mind on anything. I can't wait to see what he thought of question period And we'll see what else he's been up to as well. Aiden will join us next on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Philosopher King's coming up.
on the show. We've had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2019 inductees unveiled. Ready? Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks is going in. Um, we also have Janet Jackson, Radiohead, Def Leppard. How was Def Leppard not in there already? You would think. I think they've been putting out music recently. The Cure, the Zombies, who sadly lost uh, one of their members not too long ago, and Roxy Music. So they will be inducted March 29th at a ceremony at Brooklyn's Barclays Center. Other nominees were Rage Against the Machine, LL Cool J, and Devo. Devo's not in? Whip it? Come on. As one-hit wonders, was that not the one-hit wonder? Shouldn't they go in? One day the Philosopher Kings, maybe, and who knows? And we'll talk with them in about 20 minutes from now. Right now, I want to go back to a story from yesterday. A Londoner by the name of Aiden got a chance to live out his wish, was, which was to see what it was like to be the Prime Minister of Canada for a day. Well, that day started yesterday, and it's kind of stretching into today. We have managed to find Aiden in Ottawa to talk a little bit about what is happening. Aiden, how is Ottawa today? Uh, very good, Mike. A little cold at all? Very, especially when you're... Uh sticking your head out of the top of an armored vehicle. Yeah, because uh, that happens all the time. What are, you, what are you talking about? You're sticking your head out of an armored vehicle. Where are you right now? Um, well, I'm not in it anymore, but I was uh, driving in an armored military vehicle. <laughs> and how did that come to happen exactly? I don't really know. Just make a wish. Uh, <laughs> got it all set up. Hey, you know what? That is a tremendous organization, and you're in great hands right now. Aiden, yep. let's talk about yesterday and kind of the way the day began. Did you have to get up extra early in order to fill the shoes of the Prime Minister? Uh, yeah. I also had to get up early today uh, to meet with the Canadian Army. So, in other words, sleep and being the Prime Minister don't seem to be two things that go together all that much. No, not really. I'm actually wondering how Mr. Trudeau handles that. <laughs> uh, help um, show which um, wish kid was going to have their wish granted next. Fantastic. And did you have to help select? Uh, yeah, so basically it's kind of like an advent calendar um, on the dates, so like the 14th and stuff like that. Um when I pulled it down, it would show the picture and the name of the next wish kid that was going to have their wish granted. Hey, very nice. And then, what was the afternoon like yesterday in in dealing with the political side of life? Um, it was crazy. I mean, uh, in the afternoon, I was uh, in Parliament. I know that near towards the end of the day, I managed to get into the House of Commons and hear uh, the parties arguing with each other and. Uh, they were all they were all fighting each other. <laughs> how surprising was that to you? Were you ready for how much uh, arguing goes on? Yeah, but I just I feel bad for the speaker having to say order and order and keep putting his <laughs> hands on his face like oh my god. Uh, so in other words, being the prime minister might be something you would go after one day, but the speaker of the house, if somebody asked you to be that, you you might turn away and say, uh, "Nah, I'll look for something else." No, no, I, I could, I'd be the speaker if I wanted to, uh, because you don't have to do much when you're up there. You get to just uh, tell them to be a little bit more quiet, and 
um, tell them to stop and to relax. But uh, other than that, when you go in and you're listening to them talk, it's almost like a uh, movie. They're all they're all uh, making puns and uh, uh, saying hilarious things to each other. It's actually pretty funny. So, are you going to be a viewer of Question Period in the House of Commons for uh, from now on? No, but I, I'd want to be. I mean, uh, getting to sit in a chair and listen to what they were saying was awesome, but, you know, it's pretty pretty boring sometimes. Uh, Aiden, we uh, we want to congratulate you again for being able to do this. What's left? What are you up to today? Well, uh, I just pulled up um, at a military base right now. I don't know what they have in store for me. Um, um, I'm at the luncheon right now, so... Um, and I've been made an honorary lieutenant colonel, so I'm going to go into the luncheon. But um, unfortunately, I won't be able to talk with you anymore. But thank you for the opportunity, Mike. <laughs> You've got to run. You make sure you run. Aiden, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> London's own. Aiden, he's right now finding out what it's like to be the Prime Minister of Canada in Ottawa, where it is cold if you have your head outside of an armored vehicle. And it is that busy, right? I mean, we were able to get, what, about three and a half minutes with Aiden? Can you imagine? We don't get three and a half minutes with the Prime Minister very often. So he's following in those footsteps. I didn't even get a chance to ask him if he's met Justin Trudeau yet. I imagine he has. We'll have to check in with him when he gets back to find out a little bit more about that. So Aiden in Ottawa as he continues to find out what it is like to live the life of the Prime Minister. I just ran across a story a little while ago about a California guy. I don't know if we've seen this. This might be a record. California man had to be rescued after becoming wedged in a Chinese food restaurant grease vent. He was there for two days. Some of these stories end tragically. What makes people believe that they can get into places through vents? You know where most vents end? This is like saying, I'm going to break into a house, and I'm going to go in Santa-style. I'm going right in through the chimney. Where do you think the chimney ends? I have no idea what causes people to climb into vents and think they can get into places. Do you remember there's a lot of stuff happening in baseball right now? Edwin Encarnacion was traded by Cleveland to Seattle, and then Seattle traded him to Tampa Bay. I don't know where Edwin Encarnacion's story is going to end, but... One of the best stuck-up-in-a-roof stories in baseball. Do you remember when Albert Bell was one of the top hitters in baseball? And he was playing for Cleveland at the time, and they were taking on the Chicago White Sox in the year that the Montreal Expos would have won the World Series, 1994. Of course they would have won the World Series. Cleveland was pretty good that year. The White Sox were pretty good that year. But that was the year of the strike where the World Series got canceled. Montreal was, what, in, in first place? So while Albert Bell is doing what he does as one of the best hitters in baseball, there became suspicions that he was corking his bat. Remember this? And you can't have a corked bat in baseball. And essentially what you can do is you can accuse someone of having a corked bat, and then the bat has to be checked out by Major League Baseball. And if it's found to have cork in it, you get suspended. And I think it's a double-digit game suspension. So there was a game in which the manager of the White Sox said to the umpire during the game, uh, we want to check Albert Bell's bat. So the bat had to be confiscated, and it was put in the umpire's room. I think they were in Chicago at Old Comiskey Park at that point. 
Or was it New Comiskey by then? I don't know. They put it in the umpire's room. And while the game was going on, one of the relief pitchers who wasn't due to pitch that day for the Cleveland Indians decided that he was going to save, because I think they all knew it had cork in it. Eventually it did. They eventually got to the bat, they opened it up, it had cork in it, and Albert Bell got suspended. And, well, we don't know how it would have played out because the season ended. But this pitcher climbed up into, like, the roof in the ballpark and was able to get above all of the offices and kind of climbed around, climbed around. Apparently it was a really hot day. And somehow from the dugout where he was or back, I guess it would have been back in the clubhouse, right? He would have had to get into the clubhouse, up into the roof. He managed to get to where the umpire's room was. I don't know how long it took, apparently hours. But he fumbled around and he found the room and he stepped down on a fridge and he jumped down and there was the bat leaning against a wall. And it was Albert Bell's bat. And he'd brought another bat with him, a non-Albert Bell bat. And he stuck the bat down, he took the other one away, and he climbed back up onto the refrigerator, and then he got back into the roof, and he got back into the clubhouse, and he jumped down. Ta-da! Only in Major League Baseball, you don't just use random run-of-the-mill bats. You actually have custom bats, right? Bats with your signature on it. And when the umpires went in after the game, they found that the bat that was supposed to be Albert Bell's that they were then going to courier to the league so that the league could open it up to see whether or not Albert Bell had been cheating had a different name on the bottom. This is not Albert Bell's bat. And so they had to go and say, what is going on here? This is not Albert Bell's bat. And eventually they got one. They sent it off again. It had cork in it and Albert Bell got suspended. But... In a case like that, yeah, okay, jumping into a roof or going somewhere can work. Most of the time, they turn out like this guy in the grease trap where you go absolutely nowhere. First of all, don't break into a thing anywhere ever. And number two, where did you expect that to end? Oh, it ended in a furnace. Fantastic. What are you supposed to do? I don't get it. But if you want to see that story, it's at 980CFPL. Coming up, we are going to speak with the Philosopher Kings. We are going to talk roundabouts with London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding. Find out exactly how to use it and who better to ask than somebody who basically looks to see that everybody's doing this the right way. And we're also going to talk with Global News Queens Park Bureau Chief Travis Danraj, and I'm interested to get some of your thoughts on this as well, on the voluntary exit program for public service employees. It seems very easy to figure out what's happening here. You just want as many people to say, hey, I will take that golden parachute. Well, how golden is the parachute? And what if not enough people decide to take the golden parachute? I think this opens up sometime in January, maybe even January 1st. So we'll talk with Travis Danraj about that. Up next, Jacqueline LaBelle will have the day's latest stories, and then we will continue on on Thursday. Still no news on Alex Formanton just yet. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Lots to come on the holiday trail as we head around London, there's a lot happening in the next couple of weeks. And you know what? If you're ready to go to Centennial Hall or you are ready to go to Rum Runners or How's That Norma Jeans, 
you're going to run into a band that, in a way, is kind of coming back onto the scene. There've been just there's been a little bit of a change, not a huge change, and they are touring with a guy named Zach Oliver, who you absolutely have to see. The Philosopher Kings, who you remember sounding like this. See, yeah, that's one that you know, absolutely. They have just released a new studio album called The Return of the Kings, and we are lucky enough right now to have Jarvis Church of the Philosopher Kings and Zach Oliver with us. I believe they are driving somewhere at the moment. Are you guys, are, is the ground moving beneath you guys right now, Jarvis? <laughs> no, no, we got to, we're, 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 we're stationary. We, we got some peace here to chat with you for a while. Okay, that's 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 good. Now, Jarvis, maybe we can start with you. Let us know what's happened with the Philosopher Kings and what makes this a return. Um, well, actually, uh, last year was the 20th anniversary of our biggest album, Famous, Rich, and Beautiful, and we got the opportunity to do a national tour, and uh, we kind of said, why don't we just take it one step further and, and do a whole new studio album and... Um, you know, it was literally one of those I'm getting the band back together moment. And, uh, and, uh, we said, let's just do it. So we, uh, we started writing about a year and a half ago and we just finished the album. And, uh, our first single was called Still the One, which came out a few months ago. And the, the album's, uh, been released and we're on the road again, just like we were 20 years ago. <laughs> now, how similar does it feel? Because 20 years ago, let's face it, we didn't all have phones in our pockets. You didn't have to worry about things like Twitter or Instagram. What's life like doing this now? Well, you know, for us, it was always it's always been about uh, live, our live show. Um, you know, the guys in the band are my brothers, and, and we love playing together. We love uh, playing for people. Um, you know, we've always been sort of a, 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 an old school band, not much production, just guys with their instruments uh, playing songs that they wrote. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's kind of the same thing for us. I mean, everything has kind of changed around us, but we're, we're pretty much doing the same thing. Um, I'm, this uh, tour we're doing around Ontario right now is, is going to be um, pretty small venues, which we're, we're actually quite excited about. We get to be right up there with all our diehard fans and um yeah man it's it's something we're we're really been uh been really excited about we're talking right now with jarvis church we'll talk with zach oliver as well as they get set to come to london for a few shows you mentioned famous rich and beautiful a lot of times when you're making music people will say hey the first couple albums they come easy and then all of a sudden it does get harder with kind of a, a break, getting back together now and, and having kind of some new influences. What's that been like in terms of the creation of new stuff? I think it's been the exact opposite for us. You know, making music was pretty difficult when we started. There was a lot of, um, you know, butting heads, a lot of, uh, you know, jostling for creative control. And, um, you know, in our age, we've gotten so much more chill uh, we've gotten a little wiser too, and we've really just been uh, like this. This album came completely effortlessly. It's really just been nothing but uh, a lot of laughing and um, 
just it's just felt really really comfortable. Um, it was it was really really effortless. If you go to the '90s, there was a sound that was pretty heavy that kind of dominated. You know, alternative or grunge or whatever you want to term it. That that was kind of all over the landscape. You guys brought in something really new, really fresh, a, a completely different sound. How do you feel your sound kind of fits into what's happening today? I think we probably fit in a little better. I mean, we really kind of we like you said we were kind of on our own path at first. You know, there wasn't much. Um, urban music coming out of Canada at that time. And, uh, um, you know, we were sort of jazz influenced and soul influenced. And, um, um, you know, I think that obviously, you know, with the success of artists like Drake and The Weeknd, um, Canada is known for a lot more than just rock music now. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think to be honest, the music we're making kind of uh, uh, is a little bit easier to digest uh, I think for people now than it was maybe when we were starting out. When you look at songs on the album, do you have one that you you love for people to hear? Uh, yeah, uh, this the, you know, there's always sort of a special song, um, one that just kind of uh, you know really uh, really gets you. Um, for me, on this uh, it, for this album, it's the song "Heavy Hearts." Um, it's actually the first song we wrote for the album, and uh, it's the song that we wrote the day after Trump got elected and, and we had a writing session planned and we were just in the, you know, we just couldn't imagine, you know, getting up for writing a song. Uh, and we really just ended up sort of speaking how we were feeling. We, we really did have, you know, heavy hearts. And uh, yeah, that one had sort of a special place for me for sure. We're talking with Jarvis Church. You also have Zach Oliver there. Zach is, what, is he 21 right now still? Yeah, yeah, I'm 21. Yeah, you're 21 years old, and here you are starting a tour with the return of of the Philosopher Kings. Zach, just give us an idea, and we'll play some after the break. But give us an idea of your style of music, because you seem to be a guy who does a whole lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Um, with this uh, this approach and this this tour, and like the stuff I've been working with Jarvis on, it's super. It's it's really current, but it's definitely different at the same time it it's really chill music but a lot of it is is to a hip-hop beat so um it's it's really easy listening to like i think it's really likable for for a wide audience for sure it's just fun like it's it's a it's really fun music um because we sort of um realized when me and jarvis met we had the same laid-back sort of vibe and we really wanted to emulate that in the music that we made so how did yeah. you guys run into each other? Um, through uh, my manager, I used to manage uh, the Philosopher Kings back in the day. So he uh, he knew like what a great songwriter Jarvis was, and knew that I loved songwriting and thought we'd be a good club. So we uh, we went down to LA to Jarvis's place and and stayed for a week and had a, a writing session there. Yeah, it was real instant too. Um, what I love about Zach is he, he's open to experimenting and trying new things. Uh, you know, he's uh, kind of a, he's a singer-songwriter, but he is open to rapping. He's open to, you know, current production, like, you know, trap music and, and hip-hop and, and all the stuff that, that, you know, that's on the radio. But uh, he's also down with making something altogether new. And, and that's what really got me excited about Zach and, and why... Uh, we decided to bring him out on tour and um, 
you know, and I'm doing a lot of press with him. It, it's something I'm really, really excited about. I haven't been this excited about, uh, you know, anything in, in a while, and it, it, it's definitely something that uh, I'm, I, I can't wait for people to hear. Jarvis, you had people who would have been in the same position that you are in for Zach right now. What's it like that the roles are a little different? Uh, I mean, it's great, uh, but I'll tell you one thing about being a producer that's so amazing is that you get to make music that is beyond yourself. Um, you can make young music, you can make rap when you're a singer, you can you can do all sorts of different things. And um, I've always I, I've always loved that. I you know my my taste in music is a lot broader than the things that I do myself personally, or or even with the Philosopher King. So uh, getting a chance to to touch on that, um, the first single. Uh, Zach's first single, "You and Me," which is actually just came out on the tenth of December, it it has such a um, old classic sound. But Zach's approach to his guitar playing and his his singing, um, it, it really adds this brand new, fresh element. And I've always been attracted to fresh music. It's it's what really keeps me excited in this whole industry. Jarvis Church, Zach Oliver with us. If you want to check them out, they are going to be in the London area December 22nd. Count it down. That's very soon at Norma Jean's. Also on December 28th at Rum Runners in London, Centennial Hall on January 19th, London Music Hall in March. They'll come back and do the RBC Theater with Colin James in April. So there's a lot of great shows. You'll be in and out of here. You guys need to find a place to stay on a regular basis in London. <laughs> yeah, man. We London is the, like second home. You know, we 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 got we call the office. Of course, you all remember that incredible place. That's where we got our start. You know, so uh, yeah, man. It's always great to be back in London. We've always had great, great times there. So that's a memorable show playing Call the Office, or memorable shows playing Call the Office. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, we probably played there ten times. I mean, uh, it, it was a uh, you know just. Just being anywhere near Western was always exciting. <laughs> so many bands will say Call the Office was such a great place to play. What do you remember, you know, that you really liked about it? You know, it's just one of those, like, local bars where the energy is amazing. Um, everybody is down to go to the next level. You know, you're never trying to – you don't have to – prod the audience into having a good time you know they're already there to have a good time so it's just uh, yeah we were all kids and it was just man it was it's yeah some really really fond memories that uh, i was sorry to see it uh, closed down yeah well who knows maybe maybe somebody will open those doors again zach as a final question being 21 being where you are right now having music come out what's life like was this the dream when you were eight nine ten yeah, of course. This is what it's all about, really. I'm just absolutely buzzing. Like, I'm so excited to get everything started. We've worked really hard the last year on really zoning in on a, on a sound and, and sort of uh, just the overall package of what it is, and we really think we've we've done a great job and we're so excited to execute it now. So I'm just buzzing. Honestly, yeah, it's been the dream since I was young. So I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity. Well, it's pretty wild how things come together. Continue making great music. Gentlemen, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Take care. That is Jarvis Church.
from the Philosopher Kings and Zach Oliver. So a band from basically the the '90s into the late '90s that is now coming back, and now you know they're they're the older, wiser guys, and you start bringing in young people like Zach Oliver who'll be performing with them, and they'll be in London a whole lot. Next date is again December 22nd at How's That Norman Jeans, and uh, December 28th, which is of course not too many days after. December 25th, and they will be at Rum Runners in London. So check them out, especially if you are a Philosopher Kings fan. Thanks so much to them for taking some time out on the show. Let's take a quick break. We'll return with more in a moment. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Look at that sun. Is there sun where you are? No guarantees. Downtown London right now, it is sunny, so if you're looking for that, please make your way to downtown London, and you will definitely find some sunshine. If you are a public service employee, you may find some sunshine in a memo that you received yesterday, and we're going to deal with that in just a few minutes, because we're going to be talking about that memo, which was sent around yesterday by the Ontario government, And I don't know whether they didn't expect people to leak out what it said, but when you send out enough memos, chances are you can't keep secrets in this world anymore. There's no way you can keep a secret. So you send something out, eventually it becomes public information. And this is about a new voluntary exit program. If you are a public service employee and you didn't get the memo, huh? didn't get the memo, It's always a good excuse, but in this case, you might want to call somebody. You might want to send a memo to somebody that you know saying, why didn't I get the memo? I'm a public service employee. I need that memo. We'll talk about what it says and what this exit program could be designed to do, and if it doesn't work, what may happen with regard to the exit program. So it may not be a voluntary exit program. Is that kind of what we can Guess, you know, you don't want to hear that kind of stuff, especially heading into the holidays. But it is something that we have to look at because if you are looking to cut down on the deficit, which will rise, according to the financial watchdog in this province, above $12 billion, you've got to find a way to make cuts. But if you don't have to be the one making the cut, it's kind of like... If you have a 25-year-old listening or living in your basement and you really want that 25-year-old to get out and kind of get life started, hey, you know, the basement's very comfortable. You've got your own bathroom down there. I realize there's a fully stocked fridge upstairs. Someone does your laundry. It's great, but if you can go down there, you've got two ways of handling it, right? You can go down and say, all right, you, out. And that's not going to work out very well. That's never a good way. Or if you go down there and you manage to make it their decision, maybe you start saying, you know, if you hang around here, I'm actually selling the washer and dryer. So the laundry stuff, not happening. And you know that fridge upstairs? Yeah, I've decided I'm going to try and be like that guy who lives on air and sunshine. I think he lives in New Jersey. Legit story. Um, I think he's a pizza delivery guy. He lives on air and sunshine. I don't believe that for a second. You need water. Sir, if you do not drink water, you will not survive. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like that. So I'm not going to be stocking the fridge anymore. So, you know, the, life isn't going to be as good. I've decided to turn down the heat. I'm going to 
maybe live with my winter coat on. We we'll keep it at about 16 degrees. I think that'll be good during the winter. If you say things like that, what are you doing? You are all of a sudden giving incentives for the person to make their own decision. So we don't know what the incentives are in this particular case because I don't think they were contained in the memo. But you're looking to make somebody make their own decision because if they do that, they tend to be happier. Now, in the case of the 25-year-old that you're kicking out of the basement, I'm sorry, that you're talking with until they decide on their own to leave the basement, you're dealing with a situation where it's not necessarily going to cost any taxpayer dollars. In fact, it's going to save you money. In the long run, would this save money? Do we know that there's some fat in the public service? Yes, there is. We know that. So the idea is get some people to go voluntarily, and then you don't have to make the announcement about job cuts. And that doesn't have to reflect negatively on you. Because when a political party is in power, what is their number one job? It's not to govern. That's not number one. What is their number one job? It is to stay in power. So you want to do this as delicately as possible. And I actually like this. I like the move by the Ford government. We don't know exactly how much it's going to cost. And once we do, eh, maybe opinions can change. But I don't mind this move because if you can do this and you can cut down on some of that extra fat that is there and maybe could be streamlined or, you know, pick your favorite corporate word, uh, synergized, that's a good one. A lot of synergies. Let's let's synergize, and we won't need as many people. If you can do that without having to announce job cuts, and you can bring down that deficit because you're not spending as much money on all of the things that come with public service salaries and benefits, then you look like a hero, and you fulfill that number one mandate, which is to govern. No, to stay in power. So, we'll talk about that after 2 o'clock. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Next hour, if we can squeak it in, because we are going to be talking about the deadline in the Dream Lottery. We'll be talking about how to properly use a roundabout, because I'm not convinced any of us are doing it right. And we're going to see more of these things because they help the, tr the flow of traffic. I want to try and fit in a little on conspiracy theories. It is too easy to spread them, right? It's way too easy for somebody to start something and call it conspiracy theory, call it fake news, whatever. It is way too easy for that to happen, to the point it seems to be happening when people don't even want it to. Did you see the Steph Curry story about saying in, I think he was on a podcast, he was doing an interview of some kind, and he happened to mention that he didn't think man had landed on the moon. Now, I don't know whether he was being serious at the time or not, but he's certainly done his best to backtrack and say, oh, no, 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 that, that wasn't it at all. It was a joke. But the way that people took hold of this yesterday, it was crazy. We'll talk about it if you haven't heard the story. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We'll talk public service salaries and futures in just a few minutes. We are also going to find out how you can do some winning this hour. Two ways. I always love in the holidays. We can say, hey, guess what? You can win this way. Hey, guess what? Here's another way you can win. It's just, it's that time of year, right? Well, 
even before we get to that, there was a great piece yesterday in the New York Times, and it talked about things being too easy for us these days. And it would point to ride-sharing services. It points to food delivery services, points to all kinds of things which just make our lives easy. And then it kind of looked at information and how easy it is to spread conspiracy theories. And I think one of the best examples, and in a way you could look at this almost as an experiment, comes from Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. I don't know. I guess you have to look at it this way. NBA players make themselves very accessible. If you want to see what kind of cereal LeBron James and his kids were eating this morning, if you follow him on Instagram, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see a little clip of their breakfast. So you know what LeBron's home or one of his homes looks like. And they really do a good job bringing people into their world. A lot of other athletes, not so much. It's more about drawing that line. And this is what we'll show, and this is kind of where that line ends. It's kind of like you. When you leave work, don't you like to leave work? And that's it? And you leave it behind? And you go and do what you do? Sure. Well, for a lot of athletes, that's the way it is. But you get NBA athletes who speak out on things, and because they have such a following, what they say gets picked up on and fired off all over the place. You know, Kyrie Irving being a flat earther. I don't even know if he still is. He apparently apologized for making flat earth statements, but never really said that he's... Not a guy who believes that the earth is flat or round. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But here's the experiment to watch, and it's already kind of taken place. Steph Curry, who is a former MVP, plays for the Golden State Warriors, who the Raptors beat last night without Kawhi Leonard. If you want to jump on a bandwagon, if you're not a basketball fan, get on the Raptors one now so that people don't say, yeah, but you just started cheering for them because they were winning in the playoffs. Because who knows? They could win. They could win it all. There could be a parade in Toronto for NBA champions. You never know. But they beat Steph Curry last night, and Steph Curry had been interviewed. I think it was on a podcast a little while ago, and he talked about man landing on the moon and that he didn't believe it. And so that was picked up, and that was on every news channel in the United States yesterday. Was it that slow a day? I mean, we had a sentencing yesterday in the, or basically a, a a guilty plea yesterday that should have dominated headlines in the United States. But Steph Curry was certainly right there side by side. And then kind of backtracked a little bit and said, quote, I was silently protesting how stupid it was that people actually took that quote, that man hadn't landed on the moon, and made it law as in, oh my God, he's a fake moon landing truther. And so he's actually been offered a visit to tour NASA, and he's going to take NASA up on this. When you do listen to the quote, it makes you wonder if, you know, he's just backtracking. The league had knocked on his door saying, hey, can you make this better? Because you're making our league look dumb. He says, I'm definitely going to take NASA up on their offer. I'm going to educate myself firsthand on everything that NASA has done and shine a light on their tremendous work over the years. And hopefully people understand that education is power. Informing yourself is power. For kids out there that hang on every word that we say, understand that you should not believe something just because somebody says it. You should do your homework and understand what you actually believe. So 
Kind of coincidental that the New York Times runs something about how easy it is to spread conspiracy conspiracy theories yesterday, and then so much of the day is dominated trying to figure out what Steph Curry, an NBA player, has said. Well, if you are somebody who is in the public service or you are somebody who knows a public service employee, there are some offers. There was a memo that was sent around yesterday. And people are still trying to figure out what this says, what this means. It was a memo that arrived that talked about a new government program. What program is that? Well, a voluntary exit program for public service employees. Joining us right now is someone who can help us to understand just where this story sits. Travis Danraj is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News and joins us now. Travis, how's today going at Queen's Park? You know, it's a little slow today, which is nice for once. uh, You know, the house has risen for winter break, but there's these constant stream of announcements and things like that. And this memo that we're going to talk about right now uh, was a leak that happened yesterday, which certainly is causing a lot of waves. Okay. When did this memo kind of come out yesterday? Because the story seemed to come out yesterday evening. Yeah, so this came out, we're told, yesterday afternoon, and it was sent to about 60,000 or so workers with the Ontario Public Service. Uh, And basically, this is the government's way of trying to avoid job losses by, you know, proactively offering people if they want to leave early, they have that option. Okay, so it has a, a nice little title to it, a Voluntary Exit Program for Public Service Employees. It sounds nicety-nice. How should we read this? How should we interpret this? Well, I mean, this is, this is an effort, the government says, to avoid involuntary job losses. It's being extended to uh, about 6,500 uh, unionized employees and also about 10,000 non-unionized management-level employees. Uh, and so they say that this is all about trimming down the fat on the Ontario Public Service uh, and, you know, leveraging this program so that really employees can, if they want to, leave early. But the NDP say that this is a precursor to job cuts. Okay. Travis Danraj with us, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. When does this exit program begin and, and how long does it run? So basically, employees are going to have to the end of February to accept an exit package, and then they'll have the end of December 2019 to accept a voluntary buyout. So it's about a year long or so. Uh, so they're going to have to make that decision pretty quickly here uh, to, to decide whether or not they want to leave and get this package. We probably have listeners right now who are pulling out their calculators and wondering, hmm, package... Government employees, how costly could this be to the government? Has the government given any indication as to the incentives that exist here? No. And, and, and so this is, this is one of the big questions that we have, and we've reached out to the government as well to see if anyone can talk about this today. Obviously, they didn't really uh, think that this memo would be leaked to the media as quickly as it, as it was, but when you send out an email to 60,000 people, certainly the media gets their hands on it pretty quickly. Uh, and, and the NDP, that's one of their questions. How much is this going to ultimately cost? And, and they say that, you know, this government says that they're going to find efficiencies. Uh, the PCs say this is one efficiency, but 
that you know NDP say that certainly this is this is just a signal of what is to come. They are they're going to trim down the public service and they're going to do that this way first. But then you know NDP are very concerned that it's going to lead to significant job losses. And also they have questions about how services are going to be affected and how they can do uh, the work that they are currently doing with such a trimmed down workforce. Does the government have to release details on things like this, or can they just keep those private among employees and maybe an employee would release details? They can, um, but certainly, you know, when you've got uh, the amount of people uh, that are being offered this package, the the details will come out in short order. <laughs> Any other questions you have regarding this? Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot. I mean, we, we, we have reached out, to, and it's difficult right now, I should say, because you know, everyone has risen for uh, the winter break until February or so. So it's difficult to get answers because often we get, you know, I just sent an email off uh, right now and we're getting a response. Well, everyone's out in their, their writing, so we can't really comment on this today. But, you know, we have to push for answers and hopefully we will we will get some of them. But we want to know the cost of this and, and how much this could potentially cost for these packages and also how many people will actually take this. I mean, that, that's a question that only time will tell, right? I mean, how many people will actually look at this and say, okay, this is a good option for me? And certainly some will, but I don't know if they're going to get the amount of fat trimming they want out of this. Travis, thanks so much for covering the story. Thanks for asking all those questions. Good luck uncovering some answers. We'll be following along. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon. Travis Danraj, Queens Park Bureau Chief with Global News. So, as he says, it's difficult to get those answers right now. What do you make of this program, though? Do you see this as being a good idea if you were a public servant and the offer was right? And you know what? This is this is government stuff. The offer's not going to be bad, I wouldn't think. We don't have details on it, but if you're trying to entice people to do something, you don't say, here's the carrot, and when they look at the carrot, they say, wait a minute, this isn't a carrot. This isn't a carrot at all. What are you talking about? This is a piece of celery. No, I want a carrot, not celery. So would you look at this and say this is a positive move by the government? Or is this kind of as Travis suggested as a possibility? Is this just, well, let's see if we can trim the fat. And if not, whack, here comes the axe. How do you see this? 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. We'll return with more in a moment on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Hey, guess who I found walking in the hall? This is outstanding because we wanted to talk to him at some point today, and I was hoping I would see him in the hall. Remember I said earlier this hour, we want to let you know when you have an opportunity to win some things. Well, we're going to talk about the Dream Lottery a little later on this hour. And right now, we have an opportunity to talk about something else that is happening that could allow you to do some winning. It's that time of year. So, joining us is Michael Mullis from The Mortgage Teacher because he's offering up a little something that I think we can all enter for free. And, Michael, it's the the brew tour. So let me just read this right here. A free four to six hour limo bus tour of four local breweries. And you've kind of arranged this. So thanks for being in the hallway, number one. Thanks for coming in here. How are things? Great. Fantastic. I'm intrigued. Let me read that again, because <laughs> I think 
everybody else is going to be intrigued too. Free, I like that word, four to six hour limo bus tour. That's nice. Of four local breweries. Mm -hmm. What's happening here? To be honest, we want to have fun. That's why I'm here. Guys like you, the the other radio stations here in town, the, the local networks, the local breweries. Uh, it's kind of trending. I mean, who doesn't like a new beer with these breweries <laughs> popping up? And So I just wanted to put it all together. I'm interested in it myself, and why not have some fun with the company? So, uh, uh, yeah, get some travel and meet some of these breweries. Okay, so this is something that's open to anybody. It is. Okay. I guess you have to be 19. It would help if you were you 19. Ha- you have to be 19. Okay. Let's be 19, but, you know, most of us are uh, trying to remember 19, to tell you the truth. Then what do we do? <laughs> okay. So you just go on there and qualify. Like I said, we have the, you can go to our blog page at mortgageteacher.com. Uh, the point being, we want to put together a contest so you can win and then bring three friends. Uh, somebody else wins, brings three friends. There's eight people. I'm going to have a couple people on the bus too to network, have some fun. We're not going to go and talk mortgages on the bus. That's not at all. We're going to be too busy talking about beer. So I've gone <laughs> and visited some of these breweries and what a setup. What a great network. A lot of fun. You know, some of the guys have taught me, even if you don't like beer, they have a type of beer for you. So I'm quite impressed. So we've, every single month, we're going to run this over the whole next year. So we're going to pick different breweries every month. And have some fun and go and visit and network and shake some hands, meet some people, and yeah, it should be great. Okay, well, the first tour has Toboggan, has Railway City, has Anderson Craft Ales, has London Brewing. If we look at entering, you mentioned go to the blog page, yep. go to mortgageteacher.com, enter away B19, and when do we find out who wins? Great, we do, we're doing the draw on December 18th. I believe that's a Tuesday. That is next Tuesday. Next Tuesday already, and then on December 20th is the tour. Fantastic. Okay. I, I love this idea. It has words like beer and free, and this is, this is great stuff. While you're in the studio here, can we ask you mortgage questions? What, can, can, I, can I pick your brain a little bit on mortgages? Well, I mean, a lot of people were asking. You might as well. Okay, because mine will be coming up pretty soon. I know other people are, are in that same kind of boat. We're all watching interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, fixed rate, variable, what are you seeing on the market right now? Ah, good question. Fixed rates are fairly stabilizing. A lot of people are saying that uh, they're worried about the rates going up. Everybody, please settle down. They're actually going to stabilize. And you can go on the Mortgage Teacher blog page because I put together a graph and a couple points to point out why. I'm going to do that because I was worried about that too. I'm watching interest rates rise and we're on a fixed rate. We got it at a great rate. But I'm wondering what what happens when this comes open again because do we have a major jump in interest rates that we have to cover off? Well, the only time they raise rates is to cool down the market. So here in London, you might be, well, oh my gosh, it's such a busy market. They must going to. No, no, no. We're the only ones with a really hot market. The rest of the country has stabilized. I did an appraisal on a Calgary place today that I did five years ago and it hasn't budged. Really? And it's a great property, by the way. So it's not because of the wear and tear. But with that being said, we are stabilizing. You can see CMHC said we're stabilizing in a write-up that I also put on the blog two weeks ago. So if you're in a variable rate and you're worried that it's going to keep going up, no. I think we're going to stabilize. They met last week and they didn't move prime. So we're going to stay still. In fact, 2020 might even see a decrease in your variable. So if you're variable, you're okay. If you're fixed and you're up for renewal, I wouldn't worry about it. Now, there's some people that were even looking at a 10-year fix because, uh uh-oh, it's going up. Maybe I should lock in for 10 years. Because we all remember the 80s where, you know, even into the 90s, people were paying huge numbers in terms of interest rates. Well, even in 2007, the five-year fixed got up to 5.65. Like that, we're not used to that. Now, this is the weird part. The 10-year fixed was at 5.75. 
So, mm. but let me break this down even more simple. On the average London mortgage, that would be $16 a month. So wait a minute, Mike. For five years, I can take this, or for $16 a month, I can lock in for 10 years and not worry. <laughs> so that's the way some people look at it. So yeah. if you have a 10-year plan, hey, maybe it's worth it. But in all honesty, don't worry about the rates shooting up. You're good with a variable because they're staying still. They're good with a five-year fix because they're stabilizing. 10-year could be the plan. And overall, while we're lucky here in London, our values are still going up, Mike. So we're getting the benefit of the country to stay keep rates low, but our southwestern Ontario is still moving up in real estate. So we're really fortunate here in the next five years. You always make us feel good. I like that. There you go. And now you're offering up a free brewery tour that anybody can win as long as you are 19. Remember, head to mortgageteacher.com. Fill that out. The draw comes up on Tuesday. Mike, we'll have to talk about this again because this just sounds fun. All the best through the holidays. You too. And maybe on December 20th, we'll be feeling really good. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Michael Mullis in studio. In the hallway, I wanted to get him in to talk about that because we always like to let you in on when you can win stuff. You want to know what to be careful about? This story just came out, I guess, earlier today. Germany has announced, and we'll have to check in maybe with the London Humane Society tomorrow and the animal shelters to see whether there's anything like this here. Because there might be. I'm not sure if there is. But in Germany, they have instituted a temporary ban on new pet adoptions that goes into effect on December 18th. So in, what, that's that's actually Tuesday. So December 18th goes into a ban. And the reason is a lot of people think, oh, what am I going to get that person? Oh, they've been saying they want a dog. Or you know what? They're living by themselves. I think they'd like a cat. So I'm going to get them a pet. And what that winds up being is problematic. And some of those animals wind up being taken to shelters or to the Humane Society. And so what they're doing is they're kind of putting a freeze on this in Germany, saying no adoptions, no animals will be rehomed after December 18th until after the holidays. And they say that you got to think about this. If you are going to get an animal for somebody for Christmas or for whatever observation you want to call it, then you've got to make sure they actually want it. Because year after year after year, this becomes a story where people get an animal and they have no desire to have it. And then that's ultimately not fair to the animal. So interesting piece of news from Germany. And an all-out ban. And this is not just, hey, this city is doing this. This is it. Germany, temporary ban on new adoptions of animals. We're going to be talking roundabouts after we hear from Jacqueline LaBelle and news. We're going to be looking at how to use them properly. Because I don't know about you, I'm convinced we need a lesson or two. When you took your driver's test, did you have to go through a roundabout? Well, if you took it last week, maybe. If you took it within the last couple of years, maybe. But these things haven't been around all that much. If you go to Germany, if you go to the UK, you'll find roundabouts. They've been using them for a while. Why? Well, because they do assist with the flow of traffic. We've seen entire stoplights taken out in southwestern Ontario and replaced with roundabouts. And we'll probably see more of that going forward because it does, again, help the flow of traffic. But how exactly do we use it? Because, you know, you get a lot of stops and starts or you get people who I think are hogging the roundabouts. And I'm not sure that 
a line of traffic just gets to continue in while everybody else sits and waits. We'll ask the question to London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding, who will join us, and we'll talk about more winning. Winning in the Dream Lottery, because there is a big old deadline that arrives at midnight tonight. So we'll have details on that for you as well. Next up, Jacqueline LaBelle will have the day's latest stories. We'll get you caught up on all of the news that you need to know. And then London Live continues on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Still no news on Alex Formanton of the London Knights. He'll be checked out today. He is trying out for Team Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championship. He's at the final selection camp last night in an exhibition game against some U Sports All-Stars out west. He kind of got tangled up and fell and suffered a right leg injury. It's also been described as a knee injury. He didn't put any weight on the leg, leaving the ice. So we don't know anything yet. Hopefully that was all precautionary. Hopefully everything is fine. But it did look significant as far as replays went last night. So if we do hear anything, we will let you know. Team Canada is due to announce their final roster tomorrow. Some interesting decisions to make because Owen Tippett's suspension. Think about this. You flip a foam puck into the crowd to a fan. So you scoop up the puck and you flip it, and the fan catches it. Is that okay? Well, no, it isn't. You can't flip things into the crowd. That's a five-game suspension. And there were a lot of reports that it was going to be a one-game suspension because it was a foam puck. No, it's a five-game suspension, and that is upheld by the International Ice Hockey Federation. So Owen Tippett, I believe the way that they would figure it out would miss one game. So do you put him on Team Canada if he's going to miss a game because of a suspension, because he flipped a foam puck into the crowd? I don't know. That's something we'll find out. We've got five London connections, Alex Formanton, Liam Foody, and Evan Bouchard of the Knights, Isaac Ratcliffe, and Nick Suzuki, who are born in London, all vying to make Team Canada. The latest podcast for Around the OHL is going to be out later today, as a matter of fact, and we talk with Dale Howarchuk about it, and I'll play the Dale Howarchuk interview, at least part of it, tomorrow on London Live. You've got a Hall of Famer. He told a story. He tells it way better, but I'll just tell it really quickly just in case you aren't available to hear it tomorrow. Remember the 1987 Canada Cup? So this is Canada versus the Soviet Union, and ultimately they made it to that three-game series, and Game 3 was in Hamilton at then Cops Coliseum, and the game was tied 5-5, just over a minute left. You're remembering remembering this? It's coming back to you. There's a face-off in Team Canada's zone, and this is where Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux go down the ice, and Gretzky sets up Lemieux, and he scores the game-winning goal, and it was a moment back in 1987. Dale Howardchuck was not only on the team. If you watch the highlight of that, he was on the ice, and he tells a story, and I'm sorry to steal his thunder, but just in case you can't hear the interview tomorrow, you can go in and listen to the podcast, but I don't want to leave you in suspense. Dale Hunter was on the ice. Or, sorry, Dale Howarchuk was on the ice. And he said that he'd been on the bench, and it was Mark Messier, Mario Lemieux, and Wayne Gretzky out for that last faceoff. That makes sense, right? And Mike Keenan was the head coach, and he tapped Dale Howarchuk and said, go out and take Mark Messier. He's tired. And so Howarchuk went out onto the ice. Mark Messier came off, and he immediately turns to Wayne Gretzky, and he says, you want to take the face off? Wayne Gretzky looks at him and says, nope. 
And then he looks over at Mario Lemieux, and Mario goes, I'm a right shot. I can't. It's the wrong side. And so Dale Howarchuk says to them, look, I'm going to tie up this face-off, meaning I'm just going to lock up the guy, and one of you has to come in and get the puck. And that was kind of the plan, and that's how it happened. You imagine looking at the two best players in the game at that time saying, hey, you guys want to do this? And both of them saying, no, not me. I don't want to do that. Well, Dale Howarchuk tied up that face-off. Mario Lemieux went in, kind of knocked the puck free. And next thing you know, they head down the ice and they score the game-winning goal and they win the Canada Cup. So those are the kinds of stories that Dale Howard Chuck can tell. He's a great storyteller. And uh, we talk with him on this week's edition of Around the OHL, but you'll be able to hear from him tomorrow on London Live. Next, we'll talk roundabouts. Do you know how to use a roundabout? Really? Have you looked? Have you made sure? That's next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. If you go away from the city of London for a few months and then you come back, what do you think the first thing you notice is? We don't have too many new buildings. Still the forest city, so that hasn't changed. People are still nice, still really clean. How about the traffic? Oh, oh, that. Yeah, that's definitely changed. Now, some of it has to do with the construction, which is short-term pain, long-term gain. But some of it has to do with the fact that we just have more people. We've had, and I'm sure the census will show it, we've talked with real estate boards that have shown, hey, people have been buying houses. People are moving from Toronto. They're moving to this area. There are people who commute to Toronto from this area every day. Yes, absolutely they do. So we have more people around And that's leading to some congestion. And if we look at ways to alleviate congestion, there are a number of different things that do have to happen in London. We need another overpass on Adelaide. We would love to be able to move those railway tracks, sure, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. But roundabouts are certainly things that we're going to see more of. Now that they've started to drop themselves down, Hale and Trafalgar seems to be working well. But do you actually know how to use a roundabout? I'm not convinced I do. So joining us right now is London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding to go through this with us. Sergeant Harding, how is Thursday going? Good, sir. How are you? Good, good. Everybody behaving themselves on the road so far? Absolutely. That's what we like to hear. That's good. We are starting to see more roundabouts. I mean... Hale and Trafalgar, there's a great example of one. It's nice and big. It's open. It looks good. If you go far enough north on Wonderland, you'll hit a roundabout that I'm sure as the city continues to expand, we'll have more and more people headed through it. How do you, as a traffic sergeant, feel about roundabouts? You know, anything that will increase uh, the efficiency of the system and the the road system, uh, I'm personally fine with. I think... uh, you know, it's an interesting idea, and it seems to have uh, traffic move fairly well. So what is it about the roundabout that everybody seems to like? Well, you're, you're no longer waiting uh, at a signalized intersection for a long time. So um, once traffic is, is uh, clear and you're able to proceed after yielding, then you can, you can enter and uh, start continue on with your journey. So I think that's the, the real like of it. 
Now, you just brought up something, and that is that is the yield portion, because I'm not sure, even though they plunk down a roundabout, even though there are helpful signs, they're difficult to read because there's a lot of info on them by the time you've read two lines, you're kind of in the roundabout. I'm not convinced we know how to use these things properly. So let's say that you and I are driving in a car, and let's say you're doing the driving because you know how to get this done properly. As you approach a roundabout, what are you doing? Well, I think, you know, if if there are questions about roundabout driving, there's some really good resources out there. Um, so even after we talk about this, there's a City of London website has a whole uh, uh, site based on roundabout education, as well as links to the MTO site that uh, has information on roundabout and how to use roundabouts. Uh, some of the information uh, I think that's really kind of important is just some quick tips we can talk about, um, and that is traffic in the roundabout has the right of way. So as you approach, you have to yield to, when approaching, you need to yield to all the traffic in the roundabout, and that includes uh, cyclists that are in, uh, in the roundabout. Okay, so there's a key. The traffic that's moving has the right of way. Are you to yield and in doing so stop as you get to the roundabout if there are cars kind of waiting to the left? Is that something that, that you absolutely have to do? Should you be prepared to stop every time? You should be prepared to stop, and that's something that uh, I think people really need to think about uh, when they're approaching a roundabout. And that's just slowing down as you approach. So you can, you can scan and see what the other cars are doing. Okay, here's a scenario. Let's say, and you're still driving because you know how to use a roundabout. Let's say we come up to the roundabout, and we've been following a line of traffic, and there's a vehicle that goes through, there's another vehicle in front of us that goes through, and then it's us. Are we supposed to follow that line of traffic, even if there are people waiting to go who might be at at kind of the, the next roadway over in the roundabout, or are we to stop and let those people go? So if the traffic is already in the intersection or in the roundabout to your left, you need to yield to that traffic in the roundabout. But if that traffic has not entered the roundabout yet and you have a free space to move into the roundabout, then you're fine to continue on into the roundabout itself. So in other words, if there is kind of a line of traffic going through, that line of traffic can proceed before the next section enters the roundabout? It, it wouldn't be that the, the tr- that group of cars is traveling as a group and is allowed to enter as a group. It's each, indiv- each individual vehicle has to yield to any traffic that may be in the roundabout ahead of them. So while the two vehicles in front of us in this hypothetical situation could have entered into the intersection legally and didn't have to yield to any traffic that was already in the, the roundabout, Upon approaching, if we see that another vehicle is now in the roundabout on our left and there's not a a space for us to move, then yes, we would have to bring our vehicle uh, right to a stop or slow down enough to allow that vehicle to get ahead of us and then move into uh, the roundabout once there's a free space. Sergeant Sean Harding joining us as we talk with London Police about using a roundabout. Okay, then here's kind of a little variation of that scenario. Let's say that the car to our left is stopped and those vehicles are going through. So that car hasn't entered the roundabout. Can we just kind of seize control of the roundabout and and we just go in because they haven't? If there's a space, yes, you may enter into the roundabout. Just That's the big thing. When approaching, yield to all the traffic that's 
in the roundabout. Okay. Any other tips that you wind up seeing because people have bumped into each other in a roundabout? Well, I, th- I think, you know, some quick tips on it are slow down as you approach the roundabout. Um, as you're still approaching, choose the correct entry lane. Uh, watch for the pedestrians that may be crossing the roadway uh, when approaching or exiting a roundabout. And just remember to slow down, give uh, any vehicles extra space to maneuver. All right. Well, Sergeant Harding, thank you so much for the tips on it. And again, you had mentioned a City of London website that will connect us to an MTO site. Just head to the City of London website and look around. Is that the best way to do it? Absolutely. If, uh, you know, using the Google search engine, if you were to Google City of London roundabout, it'll take you right to uh, the City of London site that has great tips on uh, roundabout education and then other related content that will be able to take you to further MTO uh, brochures and and other roundabout information. Amazing. Thanks so much for your tips. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. London Police Traffic Sergeant Sean Harding. I don't think we could could know any more about roundabouts. I I think we got him down pat. I don't know, at least for the next five minutes till we get there and go, what are we waiting for? Just go. This is London Live. Coming up next, we'll find out how you can do some winning. In fact, there is a big old deadline coming up in the Dream Lottery. Heather McCarran is going to join us to fill us in. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Let's find out about a way we can win, but the fact that we have to do it fast. Joining us is Heather McCarran from the Dream Lottery. Heather, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Well, I'm looking ahead, and I'm seeing a final deadline. So this is not just a deadline. This is a final deadline. It's a final deadline for what? You're right. This is the final deadline. So that means this is it. This is your last chance, and it's our final deadline in the Dream Lottery. So if you don't order by midnight tonight, you are missing out on the chance of thousands of prizes, including your chance at one of two dream homes or one million cash. So if we wake up tomorrow and we haven't purchased a ticket, we can't call and say, oh, you know, I I just, I meant to, I didn't get to, and can I still? No, the deadline is tonight. No, you're right. The deadline's tonight, so unfortunately by calling tomorrow or trying to get them tomorrow, you're going to be out of luck. Okay. How do we then get tickets? Spell that out for us, please. (laughs) You can go online, dreamitwinit.ca. You can call in over the phone, 519-488-7100. You can go to any of our participating Shoppers Drug Mart locations, which all of them here in London are. Or today only, you can come out to our Millstone Silverleaf Dream Home. We're going to have extended hours. It's going to be open 12 until 7 tonight, so we can ensure that you can get your tickets there. Final deadline for the Dream Lottery. Heather McCarran is with us from the Dream Lottery. Remember, all of the money raised stays right here, supports local hospitals. The 50-50 draw, would we still be in on that if we bought today? Yes, absolutely. You can still get in on that, but like the main Dream Lottery, those ticket sales will end at midnight tonight as well. So you're going to want to make sure that you're in for the Dream Lottery, you're in for 50-50, and of course we have our Riches and Relaxation calendar, which is a winner every day in February. Any idea what the 50-50 jackpot sits at right now? So our 50-50 is continuing to grow by the minute. It's currently over 850000 with the winner walking away of half that. These are great gift ideas, too. I'm thinking I have to do some shopping. What if I just went out and bought a whole bunch of tickets? This would be good. 
Absolutely it would. Great stocking stuffers. I mean, could you imagine being the person that gives the gift that, who knows, they win the million off that. Now, if I'm to give the gift, because I'm a horrible gift buyer, I would end up just <laughs> buying a, a ticket for them and not knowing what to do. Can can there be a physical copy of a ticket? Yes. So we actually, this year, we are proud to introduce e-ticketing. So by purchasing a ticket, you can go on, use your email address, and that ticket will come to you through email. So you'll be able to print that off and you'll have that right there easily without having to wait um, in case there's any delay with it coming through through mail to you. Nice. Stuff that in a stocking and your shopping could be done, but the shopping has to be done before midnight tonight. Final deadline in the Dream Lottery. Heather, thank you so much for all of this. Thank you, Mike. Heather McCarran with the Dream Lottery. Deadline tonight at midnight. There, we've said it maybe for a last time. Get your tickets. Money stays here. Helps local health care. We will wrap up the show in a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. London Live on the air tomorrow. We are going to be talking about the toy drive. Please do not forget, we happen to be at the Delta London Armories, and you can come by. This is Taz and Jim. They do it annually. You can hear them on the 96 take every day at 1230, but you can also hear them on FM 96 every morning starting at 530. And if you want to come by and bring an unwrapped toy, please do so. And we can make sure and get those to some boys and girls who need them at this time of year. So Delta London Armories, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be there with, I don't even know if I'm going to need a big coat this year. It's always been so cold, but John Wilson keeps talking about those mild temperatures. In fact, he's poised to do that again. Tomorrow's high, I think, is 5. And the way things look outside right now actually looks pretty good. So... Definitely come by, bring some unwrapped toys, and you wouldn't believe the generosity. It's amazing to walk into the lobby and just see the piles and piles that are there. So that's coming up. Also tomorrow, we're going to delve into something based on an email that I got that I thought was really interesting. Whenever you're wondering about something, whenever you are kind of looking for answers and you can't get them, please don't be afraid to send that on. Got an email from Rail. And Rail says, for many years, I've had a problem with voting across time zones during federal elections. I sincerely believe it's not a fair election when voters in the western provinces get an unfair advantage over all of the other voters seeing results before their polls close. I discussed the issue recently with a government official, and they passed my concern over to a department which deals with election issues. It appears to be going nowhere, so... I'd love to share my concerns with the public and see what people thought. And so we're going to set something up, and we're going to do exactly that tomorrow. We are also going to hear from Dale Howarchuk, and there's kind of a, a publicity, I don't want to call it a stunt, because it's not, but there is publicity toward using a certain product to help kids. And it helps in, in recovery, and I don't know whether they've marketed this in a way that says, hey, this will help your your kid to grow up to be healthy and happy and strong. I'm not sure if that's how they've marketed it, but the marketing of it has some health professionals a little 
concerned, and they want to make sure the right messages are getting out. So we're going to talk about what that is, how it's being marketed, and what those concerns are. Thanks to Christian Devino for his help on the show today. Coming up next, Matt Trevithick, Jacqueline LaBelle, and news on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.